With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how you doing this morning? Uh, doing awesome. Awesome. Mailbag today. So it's definitely going to be a good day. Got a few good questions and some of them are somewhat related. And by some of them, I mean, two of them are related. Uh, so, and, and by related, I mean, just the same position, really talking about it. I think it's a great trio of questions. I think we're going to have some fun with it. We'll go ahead and just dive right in. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this episode. Going to try to keep it as short as possible. But Mike Stein on Twitter asked, with the NFL season just finishing up, I wanted to see if you guys could do a professional comparison for the projected starting rotation in our wide receiver room. I think this position group will be one of the most interesting competitions for Alabama in 2022. And I believe Brooks, Earl, Burton, Hall, and Holden have the best chance to see significant uh, playing time heading into the spring. If there are any other players or incoming freshmen you think get meaningful snaps, I'd love to hear their professional comps as well. Love the podcast and roll Todd. What a good question. I mean, that's really, (laughs) it's good. I think it's almost the, uh, the question uh, that will, that will haunt us all the way until the start of fall camp, you know, in August. Um, this is the way I, I look at the, the projections and Clint, you might have a, a different philosophy about it or, or a different thought process, but the way I look at it is I I, ne- I don't like assuming. I, I like kind of going by what we know to be true and not assuming or hoping. Like for instance, I hope someone like Aaron Anderson shows up and, and is just one of these guys that's just adjust to the college game and half a practice and is a total badass by the end of the first week. And, and pre- I mean, I hope that's true, but I, I, I'm, I'm rarely comfortable projecting it to be true because really what I'm doing is hoping, you know, I don't know that that's going to be the case. That's just a hope. So I like going by what we know. And this is what we know about the guys in that receiver room. Number one, we know Jermaine Burton is a proven player in this league. He's been a two-year starter. He's caught almost 50 balls. He's been explosive. Uh, he's averaged almost 20 yards of reception, which is exceptional. Uh, and he's the most experienced guy in the room based on uh, how much he's played in the SEC. He hadn't done that at Alabama. And it will be a new system. It will be new terminology. It will be new coaching, new environment. But I don't think that changes a thing. I, I, I think he is experience playing in the games and and that's exactly what I think we'll see uh at at Alabama this fall I think Jermaine Burton will be the primary number one wide receiver and I'm basing that on his experience uh number two okay who else in the room has played with the ones who else in the room has been a first team player for Alabama and that answer is pretty easy Jojo Earl and Ja'Cory Brooks 
they, they both started games last season, especially the important games down the stretch uh, as it relates to Brooks, who started both postseason games. He made the play to beat Auburn. Uh, I don't think anyone in the room is more experienced outside of Burton uh, in terms of the returning receivers that played for Alabama last year, Ja'Cory Brooks and JoJo Earl. They're the most experienced. So if you're going to project that someone's ahead of Brooks and Earl, then you're assuming someone's leaping over them. Someone's passing them. And my thing about that is, well, why didn't they pass them last year? And secondly, if you're saying a true freshman's going to pass them, that would be great. I would love for that to happen because it means they're ridiculously good. But I'm not going to assume it's going to happen. So I think those will be the, the main starting three guys, JoJo in the slot, Brooks and Burton outside. And, uh, and, and I agree. I think, I think uh, Mike mentioned Treshawn Holden. Uh, and, and he's clearly, you know, pretty experienced. He's going to be one of the first guys off the bench. So in, in terms of what I think that rotation is going to be, uh, I'm going to go with those three. Got three starters with Holden and Ajay Hall, the next two most experienced guys as the first ones uh, off the bench, just simply because they've played the most. Anyone that passes them up will be leapfrogging them and failed to do so a year ago or a true freshman. And, and I will say, uh, finally, the last thing I'll say on it, Clint, before listening to your answer, is I do think a true freshman will play a significant role. Uh, we signed a bunch, you know, four or five of those guys. W one of them is likely to get in the rotation based on our experience with history and numbers. One of those guys is going to make a quick adjustment and be good. I, you, I would just be guessing as to which one. You know, my guess, you know, is Shaz Preston. But but that that's that's just literally all it is is a guess. But starters, Brooks and Burton outside, Joe Earl in the slot, first two guys off the bench, Holden and Ajay Hall. Yeah, uh, I think that you, you guys both are pretty spot on with those top five and how it ends up working out and who ends up seeing starter, who who ends up being the starters, who ends up seeing the most action. Some guys may play more than others because they do certain things well, but then they're not getting the same target share as other players. So who ends up getting targeted the most, who ends up playing the most, all that stuff is completely up in the air. And I think it will be more clearly defined in the spring. I like the fact that a lot of these guys are going to be in the room. You are going to be adding some players, some of those freshmen in the summer, but based off of the guys that we currently have as the top five or six receivers right now, you're going to have a lot of those guys or pretty much all those guys in the spring. So you'll get to see kind of how it shakes out last year. A lot of those first year receivers. And I think that this is something that not enough people talk about, but a lot of those freshman receivers like Ja'Cory Brooks and, and stuff, they were banged up and they didn't participate in the eight day game. And so, you know, that kind of hinders your development a little bit as far as, Pro comparisons uh, for Jacory Brooks with him kind of being that big bodied X receiver can, you know, win contested catches. He's good. He's a good box out receiver, good hands, great attitude in that way. As far as just attitude and just willingness, you know, he's going to maximize his potential because he's going to give effort. That's very Julio Jones esque. Um, he doesn't have the same skill set as Julio Jones. He didn't have the vertical speed. Uh, even though, you know, and we'll get talk more about Julio Jones later, but point being is his attitude is very Julio Jones. The fact that he can take screens and and make something, despite the fact that he's a big body receiver and he's a better route runner than I think people give him credit for, he just needs a bit more polish. 
but where I think his ceiling can be, even though he isn't as big right now as a Demarius Thomas, I see a lot of Demarius Thomas traits with him. You know, Demarius was one of those players that you could get, you know, even though he was 6'3", 220 plus pounds, 225 pounds, you could get the ball in his hands on screens. He can make guys miss in the open field. He can turn those screens into big gains. That's the same kind of thing Ja'Cory Brooks can do for you, but he's also that big body guy who can win pretty much at all three levels because, you know, he's a better route runner than you would expect for a guy his size and can also win and, and be an out physical players at the catch point. You know, JoJo Earl, I've seen, you know, a lot of people just compare him straight up to slot receivers, which makes sense. He's not a big guy. You know, he's a twitched up player, doesn't have, you know, elite Tyreek Hill type vertical speed. He's not going to be running a 4-2-5 or a 4-3. I think he's probably more in that, you know, high 4-4 four, four range, if I had to guess, maybe low 4-5, right. which is totally fine. He's, he's got a lot of suddenness to his game. But he can be a downfield threat. It's just not his biggest a- asset. You know, he does track the deep ball well. He's great on the other underneath stuff. I see him too often, or at least I did in the limited amount that we saw him at Alabama this past season. I thought I saw him get redirected on his routes a little bit too much when he's going against bigger physical receivers. Uh, so I think that he needs to, you know, learn to. And, and granted, that's where you play him off the ball as a slot receiver. Try to allow him to use his quickness to get around guys rather than having to go through them makes sense um but i like him a lot as far as being a slot receiver because of that suddenness got really good hands probably an elijah moore type because i think that if you wanted to you could play him as a perimeter receiver i just think his best work happens in the slot let's see going down through some of these others ajay hall's another tough one because he brings a lot of vertical speed but he's very inconsistent especially when catching the football he's a long receiver he can separate, you know, with his speed downfield. He makes some very tough acrobatic catches, but he's not what I would consider a natural hands catcher. He's a little bit inconsistent right. in that area. And we all knew coming out of high school, he was going to be a very raw prospect. He needed to refine, you know, the route running and his ability to get off the line of scrimmage because he's a you know more bigger body guy when he's running routes. And the fact that he hadn't mastered that aspect it takes him a little bit of time to get in and out of his breaks. So, you know, that's an area that he needs to continue to work on. But I think he can add a lot as far as what he can bring to Alabama's offense. I would probably say in some ways, Julio Jones, in some ways. And in other ways, I could see a player like Dwayne Bowe, who was a big-bodied receiver, played for LSU. Played for Saban. Yeah, he played for Saban. He was a first-round pick back in, like, 2007. Uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, I think that Ajayi is a little bit faster. Bo ran up there in like the high four or fives. I would see Ajayi Hall running more of the low four or fives, but I don't think he's a true burner or anything. I just think he's got a lot more vertical speed for a guy who's 6'3", that long, lean receiver, than maybe a lot of people realize. So some Dwayne Bo, some Julio Jones. You know, I'm trying to think of other, you know, one guy that I really liked as far as the the, the comparison, Isaiah Bond. One player that came to my mind when watching him was Tyler Lockett, the former receiver, Kansas, Kansas City, or excuse me, uh, Kansas yeah. State. Now he's with the, the Seattle Seahawks, but I love that comparison. They're actually very similar in size. Lockett was a lot more of an advanced route runner by the end of his career at Kansas State, which makes sense. I mean, if Isaiah Bond spends the next three or four years in Tuscaloosa, he's absolutely going to be a better route runner. But they both have a knack for creating explosive plays. Lockett was you know, a 4-4 guy, definitely think that Isaiah Bond's in that area. Like I said, both were in that 5-10, you 
you know, 175, 185 pound range. So that would be one that comes to mind for him. And then I, I, I love, I've seen this a lot. I love the Jalen Waddle comparison for Adam Anderson being a smaller undersized receiver, very explosive, dynamic playmaker. Definitely think that there are some similarities there in the way that you can use him. You can line him up in the backfield in the slot on the perimeter, not the biggest player, but he plays a lot more physical than his size would indicate. Love that comparison. And I've seen that and that's hard to get off of because I do see a lot of similarities there as far as their explosiveness. But uh, let's see. I mean, I know I haven't covered everybody. You know, Treshawn Holden's that big-bodied receiver. We're going to win on the short to intermediate stuff. Not really going to be much of a vertical threat. I was kind of surprised. I thought he would have a bigger role this past season because of his connection and chemistry with Bryce Young. We saw it, you know, at various points. When he gets a lot of targets, he, he's going to catch the football. He's going to, you know, he's not going to do a whole lot after the catch, but He's a good, steady player on the short to intermediate stuff, and I think he continues to be that. And I think Bryce Young's comfort level and knowing what he gets in Treshawn will keep him in the mix as well. We've talked about Jermaine Burton being a guy who I think that he didn't quite have the same vertical speed that a guy like John Mechie has, but I do believe that he can do the same types of things. You can line him up in the slot if you need to. Perimeter receiver. Like the fact, you know, you got JoJo Earl there on the slot. More than likely, Burton's going to be playing outside a lot of his reps, but you can do some different things with him. And I do think that it can be a player who could end up catching, you know, 80, 85, 90, 95 balls, maybe. So definitely like where he's at. That's probably a very long winded way of trying to make all these pro comparisons and trying to do it kind of, I mean, I, I looked at it right before and I was trying to think, you know, what I typically do when I make a pro comparison is I watch their film I make bullet points and thoughts, and then I go and I say, okay, who are the same types of players that I had these same types of thoughts on? You know, and, and with Ja'Cory Brooks and the Demarius Thomas thing, I really like that one. But anyways, uh, Jimmy, do you have anything to add before we move on? No, no, I really like your pro comps, and I do something similar. To me, uh, and I think comps are very valuable. I, I try to do that all the time with recruits because so many of the uh, of our subscribers, you know, and, and, and fans that – hear of a, a recruit you know they want to know who he's like and they mostly watch Alabama so I try to make Bama comps the best I can but my number one rule about the comps myself is size uh in size and speed and by that I mean I, I, I hardly ever compare a small receiver to a Julio Jones or a big receiver like a Jai Hall to a to a Jalen Waddle I, I mean to me uh comps start with Hey, if it's a six foot one ninety guy coming out of high school, then I, I'm going to find a six foot one ninety guy that, that 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 came to Alabama in the past that has a similar skill set. Um, to me, that's what the comps all, all start with is 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 the the, the size and, and and to some extent the the speed and quickness. You know, I'm not going to compare a, a guy that I think is a, a possession receiver to a guy that came to Alabama and ran a four three and was a vertical threat. So uh, to me, the comps start with with uh, w with someone that's extremely similarly built uh, that has the similar skill set. Exactly. And there are so many ways that you can make pro comps or, or comparison. It doesn't have to be professional, uh, you know, NFL players. It's just that's the ones you typically go with. For Alabama fans, it would probably be easier. You know, I don't know how many Alabama fans remember Dwayne Bowe, but to me, just the, I had a lot of similar thoughts back when I watched Dwayne Bowe when he was at Kansas City. And then you go back and you watch a lot of his LSU film because that's where you're going to get a little bit more rawness. 
you know, a lot of these players, they're a lot more polished and a lot more of a finished product, obviously on the NFL level than they were in college. But when it comes to comparisons, I'll either do it for one of two reasons, either a their skill set, whether it be physical or just, you know, athletic skill set is similar to a player or I think their usage is going to be similar. You don't have to be the same player necessarily. Like I don't think John Mechie and Jermaine Burton are the exact same player. I just think in the way that you use John Mechie is the same way you can use Jermaine Burton. And I think that's the role he's going to fill in Alabama's offense because having that with a vertical threat like Jamison Williams, you know, you have the explosive twitched up athlete in Jojo Earl. I think that was the goal. And I think that if you could have gotten more out of him as a true freshman, having that explosive twitched up athlete in the slot, having a guy like John Mechie, uh, as one outside receiver who can win vertically, he had he's that kind of threat to where defenses have to respect his vertical ability, but he also thrives on the short to intermediate stuff. He creates separation through his route running. You know, you have that on one outside. You have, you know, Jamison Williams, who is a true vertical threat, it's going to take the top off of defenses, whether you're playing him in the slot or whether you're playing him as a re- uh, perimeter receiver. But he's also a much better you know, route runner than giving credit for can win on some of the uh, short to intermediate stuff, especially the intermediate stuff can create yardage after the catch. I just thought that that combination would have been absolutely dynamic if Alabama could have made that happen. And I think that, uh, you know, Jermaine Burton can at least add the John Mechie element to Alabama's offense this upcoming season. All right. Next question on the list. Tucker seal on Twitter asked Cole Spencer is a transfer portal entrant from Western Kentucky. As a three-year starter for the Hilltoppers, is there any shot that Bama takes a look at the all-conference tackle? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, because I, I think Alabama would love to sign an offensive lineman um, out of the portal. But a couple of things about that. Number one is he's got to be a, what the staff considers a slam dunk to start. Alabama does not need more bodies on the offensive line. The body count is sufficient they got enough dudes what they lack is proven really good starters um and in that sense Alabama would love to sign a starter out of the portal now the question is can that kid at Western Kentucky start well you might not really know until you get into spring practice because what Alabama has to figure out first and foremost and they don't know because so many of the linemen are young, Clint, they don't know who's the fifth guy. Who's the fifth guy? That's where the bar is set, right? Who's the fifth guy? And, and let's say that Ekior, you know, he's, he's definitely starting. He's a four-year starter. Javion Cohen did enough as a young starter to where, he, you know, he's got a spot. And, and, and center's pretty much taken care of. Between Seth and Darian Dalcourt, you know, one of those two guys is going to step up, right? So, so who's going to be? You know, the fourth and fifth guys, maybe a J.C. Latham is a a fourth or fifth guy. Maybe it's a Terrence Ferguson stepping up at guard and then Cohen plays tackle. But the point is, who is that fifth guy? Is it Latham? Is it Ferguson? Is it Tommy Brockermeyer? Once then you figure out the fifth guy, like, okay, this is our fifth guy. Then you can look at the portal and say, we're taking a guy that we know is better than our fifth guy. We know this guy's better than the fifth guy, but why go get the guy from Western Kentucky if you're really happy with where Tommy Brockermeyer is this spring? Because I assure you, if Tommy Brockermeyer starts reaching his potential, he's starting at Western Kentucky too. He's probably an all-star player at Western Kentucky, just like this guy. So 
to me, I don't think Alabama is desperate to get, quote, anyone out of the portal. I think Alabama would love to get a starter out of the portal, but you got to be damn sure, to be honest, that it's a starter. You don't need another guy on the bench. We got enough guys. So who's the fifth guy? Is someone in the portal better than him? We might not know until you get into the thick of spring practice. I completely agree. Once again, here's the thing about Cole Spencer. First of all, one thing that I have paid attention to anytime someone brings up a potential transfer addition for Alabama, and it's something that you brought up and it has completely stuck with me. I'm going to check and see, was this a guy that Alabama recruited previously? Do they have a previously established relationship with this player? And if they don't, then I say, okay, what would they need to see out of him in order to make him a guy? Because they know what they're getting with a lot of those other players. You know, you know what you're getting with Eli Ricks. You recruited him. You've seen him a lot at LSU. Jermaine Burton, you recruited him. You saw him at Georgia multiple times. You go back and Henry Toto at Tennessee, saw him a couple times. Jamison Williams, you recruited him out of high school. You saw him in the national title game. Alabama played Ohio State. They scouted Jamison Williams just like they scouted everybody else with that offense going into the national title game. And so they're familiar with all those players. How much homework have they done on Cole Spencer at Western Kentucky, right? That would be the number one thing that I would look at when trying to establish, is this a player that they would be interested in? And just because they don't have, they haven't done a lot of homework, if they feel like he can fill a void and be that immediate starter or come in and be a locked in starter, then, you know, I still think that they could recruit him. But here's the thing about Cole Spencer. There's not a whole lot that we have to go off of as far as being a run blocker. They throw so many, I mean, I think he had seven, you know, close to 750 to 775 pass blocking reps where he was pass blocking on a particular snap for Western Kentucky. All of Alabama's offensive linemen, even the ones that played the most, are sitting up there probably in the low to mid 600. So that's a, an extra 100 pass blocking snaps. But then you look at the rushing attempts. Western Kentucky had like 350 total as a team. Alabama had it close to 200 more than that. Can Cole Spencer, I don't think they're going to recruit that, but great. He's a phenomenal pass blocker. You know, when you look at the pressures that he allowed, I think he only allowed 12 total pressures for Western Kentucky this past year, like a couple of sacks, four QB hits, six quarterback hurries. I mean, when you look at Chris Owens, I just said that, that uh, Cole Spencer had 12. Chris Owens had 46. He allowed four sacks, a couple of quarterback hits, and 40 QB hurries. Evan Neal, Alabama's best offensive lineman, 15 pressures. Uh, so right there in that same range, he did it on a much higher level. But Cole Spencer also had a lot more pass blocking reps. So his ability to keep his quarterback protected was pretty solid. You just don't know what you're going to get from a run blocking perspective very much. He's 6'4", he's 300 pounds. It's kind of limited, and Alabama's going to run the football. They want a balanced offensive lineman. You could be the best pass blocker in the world, but if Alabama can't get you to consistently create movement in the run game, that's something that they're going to want to do. They didn't bring in Jameer Gibbs to throw the football 90% of the time. They don't have that stable with all those running backs to throw it 90% of the time. They're going to have a complimentary run game. They want guys who are balanced, and just with all those unknown factors, I don't know if Alabama would have much of an interest in a Cole Spencer, but I do think he is a good player. And from his perspective, he's not leaving Western Kentucky where he was locked in as a, you know, uh, a starter at left tackle. He's not leaving there without some kind of assurance that he's going to be a starter at the next level. That's the entire, he wants to move up and prove that he can do it on a higher level. 
I don't think he's getting those assurances at Alabama because there is no guarantee that he's going to start with some of those other talented players on the roster. So I could see him going to a, a Tennessee or, you know, a Miami or one of those other places, Alabama, not so sure if they do recruit him, I'll trust Alabama. Like I said, there's a lot to like about him. It's just from their perspective. I also think there are probably some question marks as well. Last question on the list. And Jimmy, did you have anything else on that? No, no, I'll just say also if I was Cole Spencer's agent, I'd be real interested in getting a lot more run blocking on his tape before, before it's draft time. 100%. Absolutely, because we know he can pass block. But being 6'4", uh, I don't know what his arm length is. You know, I, I watched a little bit of his tape. Doesn't look like he has extremely long arms. If he checks in with shorter arms and he's viewed as a guard based on his size, that hurts if you haven't, you know, yep. done a lot of run blocking. I just don't know what that's going to do for you. But we'll, we'll kind of have to just see. Anyways, uh, Hypes Man Award on Twitter asked, what kind of numbers would Julio Jones put up in Alabama's offense in 2022? Uh, and, this, and, he, and he wanted to clarify that this was college Julio Jones, not current. Right, right. Well, it would be pretty big. I mean, just in the sense that look at what Alabama's offense was in, o, in 08 and 09 and 2010 when, uh, when he was there, and look what Alabama's offense is now. You know, a great tell for what kind of offense you're running, Clint, like what, what, what is your offense? You know, what kind of offense do you run? I would start with just a question about one position, and that's tight end. <laughs> I would say I would start with, well, do you have a tight end? And two, who is your tight end and what does he do? And, and, and that's what immediately leaps to mind when I think of this question, because I think of, let's see, when Alabama – uh, when Julio was was the receiver, the tight end was like Colin Peak. It was like uh, Preston Dial. It was like Big Mike Williams. And now our tight ends are like Jaleel Billingsley, and 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 then we recruit an Amari Nablack. <laughs> you know, well, the tight end is now a pass catching weapon, and we're trying to get uh, uh, mismatches. Uh, you know, uh, we're trying to get mismatches at tight end so we can use the tight end the pass game. Cam Latu, uh, who is a physical presence at tight end, led the SEC in touchdown receptions. So my whole point of that, and as it, as it relates to Julio, is look, Alabama throws the ball. Well, Alabama comes out first and foremost to make plays in the passing game. When Julio was here, our tight ends were basically third tackles. They were blockers first. So a, if Julio was here, we'd throw the ball a lot more. B, he's immensely talented. He would be the number one receiver. I just think in terms of what his numbers would be, I would look at, uh, uh, let's say he was on the team last year, uh, Clint. Well, you would use him as the possession receiver more than you use Mechie. You'd use him as the vertical threat more than you use Jamison. So let's take about half of Mechie's uh, catches and half of Jamison's catches and combine the yards. I mean, that's what you're looking at. You're, you're looking at, at those stats. You're looking at monster, 1,500 yards receiving, 1,500 yards receiving, maybe as much as 90 catches uh, for, for Julio in this offense because we're going to throw it a ton, and he's going to be the primary guy for third and six. And for first and 10, let's air it out. Uh, so it would be a lot. Uh, he would be fantastic. And Alabama's lineage of receivers recently that starts with Julio, uh, it's just been awesome. And, and I hope our fans realize that we went into last year going, 
we've lost all four of our guys. We've lost Devante and Waddle and, and, and Smitty and, and, and Ruggs. They're all gone. What are we going to do? Mechie and Jamison were every bit as productive as those guys. A lot of credit to Bryce, but they were absolutely just as productive as the four freaks before them. And, uh, and that's Alabama's challenge this year is, gosh, now we've lost Mechie and Jamo. What do we do now? Uh, and, and if Alabama comes up with one or two more incredibly high production receivers, uh, it's just incredible what, what Nick Saban has done at the wide receiver position, starting with Julio. Absolutely. And I did find it interesting how Alabama kind of shifted and it was understandable. You go from at one time a couple of years ago having Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. Your entire offense is kind of funneled through all four of those guys. It's a lot more evenly distributed. You know, I want to say just a couple of years ago, I mean, the leading target guy was, you know, Jerry Judy, who was the only one to break 100 in both the seasons where you had all four of those receivers. Other times, you know, Devontae Smith was at 88, Henry Ruggs was at 68. You know, I mean, it was a lot of guys were in that 50, 60, 70 target range. And then you had that one player that was stretching to have 100 plus targets this past season. John Mechie had 128 targets and Jamison Williams had 115. So what you did was you kind of confined your target share to just two players rather than having four. I think in some ways that limited Alabama's offense, even though they were still very explosive. I think Alabama really wanted to have that true dynamic threat at tight end this past year. And with Jaleel Billingsley, they should have had it. They should have had one of the best pass catching tight ends in college football who was, I mean, this guy was returning kickoffs. You know, he's very athletic guy, was a potential mismatch nightmare. And if you could have gotten what Alabama wanted to get out of him, if you would have combined that with having the other two receivers, this would have been a lot more of a potent Alabama offense that would have been that much more difficult to defend. But you had Cameron Latou, who was a, a good tight end, very balanced player, not a dynamic tight end. You had Slade Bolden, a reliable underneath receiver, but no kind of dynamic player in his position. Jaleel Billingsley was supposed to be that third dynamic player in Alabama's offense. And if you could have been that, who knows what could have happened, you know, but you lose both the other two guys and you're left kind of scrambling anyways when it actually mattered. But you look at Julio Jones, who were his quarterbacks, John Parker Wilson and Greg McElroy. Neither one of those two guys were threatening defenses vertically. What's one of the biggest things that has allowed Julio to be one of the best receivers in the NFL? His ability to get downfield and win vertically. So, it, you know, you throw you know, a, to a tongue of a low in there. You throw Mac Jones in there who would love to throw the deep ball. You throw Bryce Young, who did it a lot more. Jameson Williams certainly capitalized a ton. Uh, Julio, I think, averaged like 14 and a half yards a catch in his best season at Alabama when he had like 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns on like 77 or 78 catches uh, his last season in 2011. Because he would have been utilized a lot more on vertical stuff, I still think he sees the same amount of targets, a lot more targets probably. I don't know what his exact target share was. It's hard to find that information from a decade ago. But I do know that he was very heavily targeted in Alabama's offense. He had a wide you know, margin as far as leading the team in receptions. But if he could have averaged a couple of yards more per catch because he was getting utilized more downfield, then obviously, I mean, he would have been a lot closer to that 1,500-yard mark. I mean, if you do 78 catches at just two more yards per catch and, and he averages 16 and a half yards, you're now averaging what? You know, another 150 plus yards to his total that puts him at close to 1300. 
I think he gets more catches than that because it's more of a volume. I think he's reaching double-digit touchdowns for sure. So, yeah, I, I definitely think he would have been productive. Do I think that he would have been, you know, Devontae Smith, Heisman-type numbers? Not necessarily, just because that was kind of how that ended up working out. The guy who was supposed to be the number two who would have taken a huge chunk of that target share away was Jalen Waddle. He gets hurt. And then you have the reliable number two in John Mechie, but because Devontae Smith was so much more established, he was heavily utilized, and they figured out, hey, it doesn't matter if they're trying to stop Devontae. He's still going to have success, so they just kept feeding him. So it's a difficult question. What we do know is that he 100% would have had way more statistics. He would have had more catches. He would have had more yardage. He would have had more touchdowns. He would have been used a little bit differently, a lot more like he was in the NFL level where he's winning vertically. Now, gr- granted, in college and, and really in the NFL at times, there were some concentration drops. There was uh, plenty of times where you said, ah, Julio dropped what should have been a pretty easy one. I don't think he was a finished product by any means at Alabama as a route runner. Very willing blocker in the run game. I think that was one of the big pluses, you know, that from a receiving standpoint, it's like you're not drafting receivers because they block well. You're drafting them because of what they could do with the football in their hands, but it's certainly a big plus, but he was a great, you know, height, weight, speed guy, explosive downfield, great, you know, in contested catch situations. If you change just the quarterback play and just the volume that he would have gotten as far as the number of pass attempts, just those two things, automatically he would have been a dynamic player in Alabama's offense. He was during a time where dynamic players at receiver for Alabama didn't really exist. So certainly he would have made a much bigger impact. So Jimmy, do you have uh, anything else to add before we get out of here? Sure. Would be nice to sign another Julio Jones. Uh, I'll throw this out there because people haven't heard his name much yet, but, uh, and I'm not saying he's Julio. He's not, but he's going to get a lot of Julio comparisons, but Foley high school has where Julio went to high school. They have an outstanding junior rising junior receiver, kid by the name of Perry Thompson and uh yeah I mean 6'4 6'4 205 in the 10th grade playing wide receiver great hands big time playmaker uh I'm not sure yet if he if he's going to be quote what I would call Alabama good uh he's definitely a guy we're going to be seeing playing college football I can tell you that uh you know I'd like to see some 40 times on him before I'd really sound the horn but it is uh, for us down here in South Alabama to see Foley with a six foot four playmaking vertical threat wide receiver with that big body. It certainly brings back some memories. Yeah, it would be lovely to see him turn into a Julio Jones type of player. I haven't really gotten to watch him. Uh, didn't even speaking candidly, I didn't even know he existed until you just brought yeah, him up. Well, and- he hasn't really been out there yet because he just completed his tenth grade season. He's not a. Uh, I mean, you know, if this guy was a was a four four guy, I think everybody in the country would already know who he is, even though he's in the tenth grade. I think with him, it's just a matter of developing his athleticism. Meaning, uh, you know, some kids that grow fast, almost a little awkward when they're young players. You know, when they grow fast, they grow tall fast. He's not awkward. He's a great athlete. I'm just saying, ah, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure he can run, you know, like a Julio. And 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 that that's the question for him. I think is he gets older, you know, this summer, but uh, he's definitely one to watch. Uh, Mobile has a lot. The Mobile area has a lot of 2024 guys making up for the fact if they have almost zero 2023 guys, you'd have to know 2024 is good. And 2024 looks uh, awful deep and good. And, and Perry, Perry Thompson from Foley is one of those guys. Yeah. Young guys, man. And I see it a lot. They'll go to like these combines as like 10th graders and stuff. 
and they'll run like a four six five forty or a four seven forty. You know, I want to say that Isaiah Bond or, or some, one of these big time Alabama receivers, their forty time on that you know laser time is like a four seven four. And it's like when you watch them, that's not what they're running. They're faster than that. They're still learning how to run a forty. You know, all these guys. There's a reason guys like opt out of bowl games and go ahead and start preparing for the combine, learning how to run all these drills and stuff. It's I mean, I, so I mean, it, it's a lot of these kids don't even know how to run it, and so people will see that number and be like, "Oh, that kid's not that fast." And it's like, okay, I wouldn't be surprised. And I mean, not only do they not know how to run it, but also they're still developing as far as their, you know, physical abilities and things like they're going to get faster. You know, when Jalen Waddle first got to Alabama, when he was first being recruited, I compared him to Tyreek Hill, but I also said he's not as fast as Tyreek Hill, not even close by the end of it. By the time I was scouting him for the NFL, I'm like, this guy's pretty close to as fast as Tyreek Hill. You know, he developed as far as his speed and he continued to get better in that area. You can become more explosive. In Alabama strength and conditioning program, that's one thing they're going to do for you is they're going to make you a more explosive athlete in the way that they design their sports science stuff and just all the research they've been able to do and put together. So uh, who knows? We might end up seeing, you say his name was Perry Thompson? Yeah, Perry Thompson. We could end up seeing maybe, uh, maybe oh, you know, some Arch Manning throwing to a little Perry Thompson <laughs> there in Tuscaloosa in 2023 or 2024 or whatever it is. So uh, looking forward to maybe that potentially happening. But, Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. We're going to be getting back on here on Friday and going to be doing uh, – I got an idea that I will not reveal, but it's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be a lot of debate and a lot of talk. So we love doing that, so that shouldn't be a problem. But, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me, buddy. Fun stuff. Love the mailbag stuff. Love getting everybody uh, involved and answering the questions that uh, that that the subscribers uh, – to to Bama on three, uh, one. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Bama on three show. I'm your host, Clint Lamb. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.